welcome to the Hooked on Health podcast. I am your host, Dr. Sean Lord. I am the author of Stop Aging in Its Tracks and the owner of Concierge Physical Therapy, a sports medicine physical therapy practice with multiple locations in Massachusetts. Please sit back and enjoy the show. All right, let's dive right in. So uh, today I've got guest uh, Dr. Don Pelto of uh, Central Mass Podiatry. So Don, just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you get into podiatry. Hey, thank you, Sean. Um, I, I I got into podiatry, kind of a, a long story. I was um, interested in doing pre-medicine after I came back from Brazil as an exchange student many years ago. That's how I ended up in Massachusetts because there's a big population of Brazilians here. And uh, when I went to school, I shadowed a whole bunch of doctors and I shadowed primary care specialists and things like that. And I, I chose podiatry because the podiatrists tended to be the happiest. They had the best lifestyle. And a lot of the doctors said they were overworked and stressed and they didn't really uh, like their jobs as much. And podiatrists really liked it. And it seems to be true to form. I was visiting a doctor in Indiana of all places and he just loved his job. He had a house right by his clinic. He was an entrepreneur. He had a, a great business. He liked playing jazz music and just, and that's how I got into it. I love it. That's great. That's great. So there's different types of, um, you know, specialties in podiatry and, uh, you know, you're more of all kind of along a sports line. Is that correct? Yeah. A lot of us, there are different fellowships now. When I was finishing there, there was not as many fellowships. Um, I think, I think what happens is the bar just keeps going up and up in any profession. So when I finished, we do everything. We do surgery, we do sports medicine, we do dermatology. That's actually one of the benefits I liked about podiatry is there's such a vast scope. I know certain orthopedic specialties, like all they look at are shoulders or knees or hips, and that's it. And they get really, really good at that one thing. And we have a kind of a diverse array. Now in our specific practice though, what we like refers like, that's what we find. And so we have a, a very big population Population of athletic patients or people that either want to be athlete, athletes and they get hurt or uh, kind of those that are um, really kind of real high level. Yeah. So that's a great point, right? So that's sort of kind of what we're talking about today, right? So we wanted to focus on running today. And, uh, you know, I see in my practice, as you do, a lot of runners uh, with a lot of different injuries, uh, you know, from foot and ankle all the way up to low back, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you know, shoulders, a little bit of a stretch from running, but you know, there's a reason why you can't run right after a rotator cuff repair, because there is stress through the, through the shoulder There's no rotation there mm-hmm. no rotation. Right. So, um, which is a normal part of the gait cycle. Uh, but let's just dive right in. Let's talk about running. Let's talk about the, the most common injuries you see. And let's kind of focus on the weekend warrior, kind of the, you know, the 40 to 60 year old plus, you know, runner who, uh, who wants to stay active and stay healthy and kind of keep the weight off and they find running to be the best option, but they're starting to get the knee pain a little bit, starting to get a little ache and pain and, you know, aches and pains in the Achilles. Talk me through the most common diagnoses that you see and uh, talk me what you, about what you do to, to uh, treat them. Yeah. So the, the most common, I guess, I, there's a rule called the 80, 20 rule. So what's 80% of the patients that we see that are weekend warriors tends to be plantar fasciitis and Achilles tendonitis. Those are the two most common. And, and basically the reason for that is they both have uh, like tendinous or ligamentous structures that insert into the heel. And so I brought my little foot here to show you guys that are watching. So basically here, can you see that? Yes. Yeah. So what you keep see? it, if you keep it in front of your body, otherwise it's, uh, okay. Down here, keep it almost. Yeah. Right, my face, right here. Okay. Yeah. 
So anyway, the plantar fascia inserts in the bottom and the Achilles inserts in the back. And they're both, if you look at pictures of them, they're white and they don't have the best blood flow. So back and bottom tend to be really affected. I would say that's the majority of what we see with these weekend warriors and there you tend to be overuse or overuse injuries. Now, now then after that, then you'll see the occasional uh, stress fracture. You'll see the occasional um, metatarsalgia, which is just painful uh, front of the foot, neuromas. And a lot of these are caused by the amount of activity, let's say overdoing it on the weekend or the type of shoes, just really bad shoes can, can affect it. I, I feel like I spend most of my time, you know, giving money to other shoe stores because the uh, shoes are so important. Yeah. So what do you recommend? So footwear wise, you know, I know that, you know, we both look at the feed, you know, and I, I make recommendations of footwear and, and orthotics all the time. What do you come, I guess it's kind of tough to say, like, what do you commonly see? Because every, every foot is different. Um, what are some recommendations for folks that, that may have foot pain or knee pain? What do you, you know, where do you, when do you say, Hey, let's post this person in orthotic or let's go to sneak around and get you a shoe? Yeah, you know, certainly we use Sneakerama and uh, Marathon Sports. Those are the two local ones that do really good work for our patients. So the first thing you do is you watch the patient walk. Okay, you have them walk down. We have a little catwalk and we watch them walk. We look for if they're flattening their feet, which is called pronation, if they're supinating, which is kind of a higher arched foot. Uh, we do that. And then after we do that, by far the most important thing is something called the shoe liner test. I don't know if you guys know what the shoe liner test is, so I'll explain it. It's real simple. You take the shoe liner, that thing that has the name Asics, Nike, New Balance, you take that out of your shoe and you step on it. If your foot goes over the shoe liner or it's really close to the, the front, your shoe is most likely too small. So I always start with appropriate size. Uh, after we work on appropriate size, then we can talk about all the bells and whistles that they have in the shoe. But uh, I would say 80% of my problem are shoes that are too small for patients. And, and these are patients that I'm dealing with because they have bunions, they have hammer toes, these females that say, you know, I've always been a size eight uh, and I'm going to keep buying a size eight. Uh, there's a couple of places around where they actually have a machine that you step on and it actually it measures the size of your shoe appropriately. And I'm a big advocate. You asked about shoes. Um, I'm a big advocate of an anatomic. So if you're not familiar with an, people may have heard like an anti-pronation shoe or, or a neutral shoe. Um, those are all good shoes if you have a flatter foot, which I say is the majority of the patients we see, but that doesn't really take into account the front of the foot. And so I like an anatomic shoe. Um, and so uh, once again, uh, we have uh, show and tell here. So I will take off my shoe. This is an anatomic shoe. This is an ultra. You see how wide that is in the front. And most people, they have shoes that are too narrow. And I'm a big advocate of an anatomic toe box. That's basically just a toe box that's the right size. And the easiest way to tell, take your shoe out, take the liner out. Now, if your liners don't come out, it's probably because it, it's not a very uh, high level type of a shoe, or uh, I guess you call it expensive shoe. So most of your shoes are going to be about $100, $120. Um, but just to, just a word to everyone that's watching here, if you've bought 10 pairs of shoes and your foot pain isn't gone, the problem probably isn't your shoe. Okay. It's probably, you need to see someone. I, I find people, they come in, they bought, I bought 50 billion inserts and I bought everything that Amazon sells and all these shoes. And with one or two visits, we can make them better. So just don't keep spending money. Okay. I know it's so easy to Google this and look on Amazon and buy stuff, but, but I, I just wouldn't recommend it. It's just not in your best interest. Go see someone, go see your physical therapist, go see your podiatrist, see someone that can help you out. Yeah. I mean, it's just great advice. You know, and I think, you know, people, sometimes people as their feet 
you know, kind of lose the battle to gravity over time, right? They might see their shoe size increase. And so that's not totally abnormal, but I love that. I love the shoe liner test or the, uh, you know, that's wonderful. And I, I think I literally just saw somebody yesterday, uh, a patient of mine who was having sort of like a metatarsalgia or like sort of pain on the, actually really on the top of the foot. And it was from rubbing on the shoe. And she said, you know, I, I bought, you know, a narrow, a narrow shoe because my feet have always been narrow. And I said, well, you know, I won't use her name here, but I said, uh, well, your feet are no longer narrow. You're, you're pronating and, you know, now we've got an extra insert in your shoe and things are rubbing. And, you know, maybe we can talk about that a little bit too, is just how bone grows and, and tends to grow in response to a rubbing or a stimulus. And, you know, that's part of, you know, what happens during, uh, you know, the bunion process and things like that. Uh, and the same thing with kind of the pump bump, you know, why mm -hmm. women get the pump bumps and the rubbing in the back of the heel and Wolf's Law. But I don't want to get too technical. Let's kind of just dive right in and talk about, so we talked about um, footwear. Let's talk about Achilles tendinopathy. Okay, so Achilles tendon, once again, it's it's the problem that runs, it can be a pump pump like we talked about, but basically what Achilles is, it's pain in the back here, back right in the heel. Um, and there's a couple of places that it can, it can cause you pain. Um, if you can let me share my screen, I could share with some of the people if you'd like me to share, you some, share some stuff with you. I don't know if you give me access to that, if you can. I certainly can. Um, so I think it's easier to show people with pictures. I know not everyone is, um, you know, some people are listening to this, but specifically, if you look at the Achilles tendon, there are two places that the Achilles can be injured. One is before it inserts into the heel, and the other one is right at the insertion of the heel. And the issue with that, this one here, where it gets thickened and there's little micro tears is an area above where it inserts. And, and basically this is the place where the weekend warrior goes up for the layup and they pop their Achilles, okay? It's this area above the insertion. And the area down here is where the pump bump is. That's where it inserts into the heel where many times there is some type of a spur. And the issue is with, with Achilles tendonitis, it's always caused by tightness in the back of the calf. And you may say, you know, doc, I, I don't have any tightness. Well, if you start working out, if you're being more active, it can cause a problem. I much prefer this one above than the one that inserts. And so what you're, what you're looking at actually is if there's a spur, you have to get an x-ray, an x-ray will tell if there's a spur, you have to see if there's any tears on an ultrasound or an MRI. So there's a lot of different things. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but um, I, I think that doing, um, you know, treating Achilles tendonitis, you have to be really careful because where it inserts, there's not the best blood flow. And that's where a lot of our treatments are guided at producing new blood flow to the tissue in the area. And specifically that's called shockwave therapy. This is like the best uh, treatment around. And uh, especially for that Achilles tendonitis that's higher up, that's just not getting better. You can't do cortisone in there. So you have to do something else. And the, the trend to go towards what we call regenerative medicine, that, that just means your body's healing itself. Mm -hmm. um, that's where everything is going because no one likes cortisone. I, I didn't really realize that until I started to do this recently, but uh, people love these new types of treatments. Well, I think, you know, you raise a good point on, right? Because cortisone is a band-aid and it can be a band-aid. Whereas when you use the shockwave, your body is, you know, you're, you're disrupting it. You know, you're really creating a healing process by creating an inflammatory process. Your body is kind of relearning how to create healthy tissue again, but let's talk about, so, and really, and Ben and I kind of talked about this too for plantar fasciitis, but I think it's really important that we talk about the Achilles, um, talk through, you know, why again, and I think people really need to hear this, what the difference between, cause I, I can't tell you how many times folks come into my office, Don, and say, 
I just want a cortisone shot, Sean. This is just, I'm in eight out of 10 pain. You know, and I, 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 half the time, you know, I might say, okay, you got to go see Don, you got to go see Neil, you got to go see Ben. Mm -hmm. And I know that you're going to have that conversation about shockwave or something less, um, you know, not less effect. It's, it's not less effective. That's not what I'm getting at, but it's less noxious to the tissue in the long term. So talk about the cortisone versus the shockwave. Well, first of all, we were talking about Achilles. Um, you don't do cortisone to the Achilles. That's considered almost malpractice because it can cause it to rupture. So if anyone's getting a cortisone injection into your Achilles, you just don't do it. We just, it's just, just the wrong thing. Okay. Um, occasionally at the expansion on the outside, you can drop a little bit right in there, but you want to stay away. Like if you look at the Achilles, it's like this big where it inserts. So you can do a little bit on the outside, but you don't go inside. You might get a bursa that's deep to it or something like that. Now we're talking more about plantar fasciitis. So for plantar fasciitis, okay, that's on the bottom of the heel. And, you know, for the last, I've been doing this, you know, 12 years or so now. And for the last eight years, all I had was cortisone and cortisone. It seemed to work. Okay. You know, in those last, I don't know how many years did I have a rupture? I may have had a rupture in the area. Okay. Let's have a not to, not to interrupt, but so it works okay. So how much relief are people getting, you know, specifically for plantar fasciitis with that cortisone shot? Yeah. So the way I explain it now, it's changed a little bit. Um, in the past, I used to give it, everyone came in to get cortisone. Okay. What I do now, and I, I like what you said about eight to 10. So if the pain is about eight to 10, I still consider doing cortisone. The reason being is eight to 10 pain, truly, you're probably limping around. And that eight to 10 pain, you're probably going to be in a walking boot. Okay. So you're really resting it. Now, how many people come in with eight to 10 pain? Very, very few. It's usually those people that go to Disney world and they're wearing sandals all day and they've been there for a week and they can't even walk on their foot. Those are the ones, those aren't the weekend warrior people. The weekend warrior people have, they have this chronic nagging uh, plantar fasciitis. So sometimes I will do a little bit with ultrasound guidance. Okay. With eight to 10, that's where I cut it off. If your pain is a seven, six, five, four, you know, something like that. Then I go and I, everyone gets shockwave. And so that's how I make the, dis, the, the distinguishing factor. What happens with cortisone? Cortisone only reduces inflammation. And we put a short acting and a long acting steroid inside our cortisone. So what that means, one's water soluble. That means it dilutes in water. One's non-water soluble. So if you look at the injection you get sometimes, you're going to see these little white crystals. Those are the things that don't absorb. Those are the things that last longer. And then the clear stuff is the stuff that kind of absorbs pretty quickly. So when we put a concoction of both of those in there, the whole hope is that for a couple of weeks, the short acting will work. And then afterwards, the long acting will work. What they do specifically is reduce inflammation, okay? But they usually don't heal, okay? So what you'll find is that for, and, and you know, I have to tell you, I did this for eight years. For a lot of times though, they got enough relief, symptomatic relief, because it's not just the cortisone. It's part of the cure. It, it's not, it's, it's just a piece. It's like if you have a puzzle, it's like pieces of a puzzle. One piece was cortisone but they're also getting physical therapy. They're also getting their orthotics. They're also icing. And because of that, they got better and it didn't come back. I can't say that all the cortisone came back. I, do, I would not say that it, it worked well, but what you find is it doesn't actually change the fascia. And that's the, that's the main difference. And this is, the, this is the, really the best slide that explains it for my patients. Um, when you do an ultrasound and an ultrasound, like x-ray shows spur, but a lot of times, you know, you, you don't see anything on the heel. 
but an ultrasound actually shows and measures the thickness of the fascia. So this image on, on the left side, it shows a normal thickness. So for a male, it's four millimeters. For a female, it's three millimeters. And then what you find in a, on an inflamed fascia, it's going to be about double that, two or three times that actually. And so that that type of a, a fascia that's really, really inflamed can be problematic. And that's where we do shockwave for this type of a patient, okay? And then what we do is we do a future um, ultrasound afterwards. So that's great. So you actually do before and after ultrasound showing people their, you know, the hypertrophy or the thickness of their uh, plantar fascia. And do you see that the swelling is reduced after the shockwave? Exactly. So I, I do um, contralateral side. So if you come in, let's say you have right, uh, I think a patient that you referred over the other day, they had right plantar fasciitis. I do it in the right. And then I show them on the left and they're like, wow, you know, it's totally different tissue. So really ultrasound is the key to see that tissue differentiation. You're going to see that the black, I always say it's kind of like bad, fuzzy, uh, black and white TV, but black is bad. And, and we look for the black areas. And then after I do it, so the way I do shockwave, if you've had pain for over three months, you'll, you'll do six sessions and they're gonna be a week apart. If you've had it less than three months, that means you're, you, you've come in early, most people don't, but then I'll do like three sessions, three to four sessions. After those sessions are completed and then other things like PT and other things. Then I see them six weeks later, six weeks after I finish the last session and then I'll do a follow-up ultrasound. And that'll show the tissue differentiation. I take pictures and they take pictures with their cell phones. It reminds me when they have kids, they come in, they like to take pictures with their cell phones. <laughs> My wife did that yesterday. She had her uh, ultrasound. So, yeah. um, no, so that's great. So, you know, and just to kind of, you know, not dumb it down, but so what you're talking about is, you know, with an ultrasound wand, you're going over really the bottom of the foot and we're seeing on a screen how thick that tissue is, the, you know, the plantar fascia. So, and specifically with that black and white, you're talking about swelling, not hypertrophy mm -hmm. tissue. You're talking about that swelling that's sitting in that plantar fascia, correct? Yeah, so what, what you, it, it is, the tissue does change. So I, once again, I'm very similar to you. I like to simplify things for my patients. So for ultrasound, there is something called hyperechoic and there's hypoechoic. So we're looking for hypoechoic Okay, this means like, like black, like hard bone. And I use it for a lot of different things, but specifically with the plantar fascia, you're gonna see that the foot is actually upside down. And then we are looking for areas of black. Okay, so black is actual thickening in there due to the tissues changing and swelling. We call it, the technical word is called effusion. So there's gonna be swelling inside of that fascia and that, that's why it gets hypertrophied. So it is actually thicker, kind of like anything else. If you think about it, Sean, if you injure any other part of your body, it's going to get swollen. It's going to get a little bit thicker. And then as things calm down, it's going to normalize and it's going to have better movement and better range of motion because of the swelling that's in there. It's the same thing for the, for the fascia. The problem is, is that we are all, it's not like you put your foot in a sling. You're always on your foot. And that constantly causes it to, to keep getting inflamed. That's why the shockwave is so helpful. So let's just, if we're talking to the average, you know, the average Joe with, with foot pain, right? When do we tell them to come see you or me? Yeah, if you're asking that, it's too late. <laughs> but for the patients. So I would say if you've tried two or three pairs of shoes and taken some anti-inflammatories and iced and it's not better, come in. Okay. Or even if you're thinking about like, gosh, I wonder if I should get this checked out. It's probably too late. Most people really just delay in getting treatment for their, for their foot pain. So what would you say, what would you say? Cause I, you know, and I think we'll probably have similar answers here. I would say six months, three to six months is usually when I see people 
delay coming in for like a plantar fasciitis, ankle, like chronic ankle sprain, ankle pain, uh, Achilles tendinopathy. Usually it's, you know, they try to you know, manage with ibuprofen, with ice, uh, you know, OT, over-the-counter stuff, maybe even like, you know, an insert or something. A night like splint, they'll buy an Amazon, they'll buy everything. They'll spend, so I guess the easier way of saying, if you spent more than $200, you should see someone. I mean, that's a great, great way to put it, right? Because, you know, you're going on YouTube, you're finding night splints, you're finding inserts, you're doing, just go pay a $20 copay at your local doctor's office, and they'll tell you what to do. It saves a lot of money. Or, you know, you could go to mine. I have a, a, a nice uh, blog. It's drpelter.com. I have courses on plantar fasciitis and Achilles tendonitis, and it, everything's for free. So, you, you, and I'll give you, I'll steer you the right way, what you need. Great. No, that's wonderful. I think people... Uh you know, can get a lot, a lot out of that, you know, and, and uh, in fact, your books, your booklets yeah. are walking off my shelves over yeah. here. Sean, the problem today isn't information. There's too much information and you don't know how to sift through. You don't know how to evaluate because let's talk about nail fungus. I know we're not talking about fungus. We're talking about sports. Everyone buys like this latest and greatest topical nail thing and it just doesn't work. So just be careful. You're, you're buying all these things for your condition and you don't know if it's going to work. And yeah, it's $10, $20 here, $40 here, but it, 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 our time is so valuable. So it's just, it's just quicker to, to see someone. That's, that's what I would, you know, see a PT here in Massachusetts. You can go see your own PT, make it, make an appointment. They'll refer you. They'll, you know, you guys probably refer to shoe stores as much as we do, but go to a good shoe store. Don't, don't cheap out on the shoes. So I would say, if you're going to try something, shoe over the counter, insert icing, anti-inflammatory, then go see someone. Yeah, you know, I think that's great advice, you know, and you bring up a great point about just almost too much information, right? So like the WebMDs, the, you know, the YouTube, I can't tell you how many people say, oh, well, I looked at the stretches on YouTube, but they're still in my office, right? And I, I think, or how many people, you know, you bump into, you know, parties, things like that and say, oh, my shoulder hurts. I tried some exercise from YouTube. You know, that's great. But, you know, in probably 10 minutes, I could diagnose what's going on and give you really kind of some specific exercises, just like you can to fix the problem. So let's dive into, uh, we talked about runners, where we talked a little bit about the weekend warrior. Let's talk about like teenage athletes, right? So like, let's say like, you know, the, the kids with, you know, who end up getting like, maybe what do you typically see? Like, you know, shin splints, let's talk about mm -hmm. plate injuries, things like that, and uh, dive right in there. It depends on the age range. If you're in like the teenage range, the most common thing we see is calcaneal apophysitis. So for those that don't know, all that is, it's a growth plate in the back of the heel and the tendons are tight and that's usually from growing. So what we find is that the bones grow fast and the tendons have to catch up and that pulls a lot in the back of the heel. So kids with like back of heel pain is, is one of the most common things that we see for that age, that teenage uh, reason for sports. Um, we also see kids that in, in the teenage years, like before they were doing just some catch-up games and, and, uh, and they, they start to get more involved. And I don't know about you, but in Massachusetts, I think every parent thinks their kid's going to be pro and, and, I, and everyone's on this league team and the special team. And what used to be healthy was you had three seasons where you, where you, you know, I, I was in Minnesota, so I did wrestling, then I did football, then I did baseball, three different sports. I got these kids, they're doing baseball all year long. They're doing football all year long. Like one sport all year round with leagues and all in this intensity. And for a lot of kids, it's just a lot of overuse injuries. So you're going to be seeing a lot of kids that have flat feet. So they're going to get a lot of tendonitis, like posterior tibial tendonitis. You're going to get other, other types of stresses and strains and stress fractures and, and things like that. Cause they, it's just way too intense. These kids here in Massachusetts, that's what I found. So what is your advice to the parents? 
And when should the kids come see? Yeah, when you when you see for the for the parents, if your kid is limping, they have to get it checked out. And and I know they might miss a practice, they might miss a game, and, and they don't want to do that. But it's going to be in the best interest for them uh, to get that. If they're if they're limping, if they're complaining, because kids don't complain. And uh, so what you'll find is if some like what we see with younger kids, like you're talking about teenage kids, and and it's a little sensitive topic, but we see a lot of kids that that are quite overweight. And when I ask their parents and I say, well, you know, and not about weight, but about the, and they said, you know, their feet just hurt too much. They don't want to do anything. So if your, if your, your kids are saying, you know, my kid just doesn't want to do anything. It's because their feet hurt. It's not, you know, they don't complain of foot pain, but they're just, you could, you say that they're lazy or they just want to be on the computer all the time. That's not normal for kids. And so usually it's their foot is painful. That might be a tarsal coalition, which is a connection in the bones. It could be just a gr- growth pain and things like that. That's hurting in, in, in the back of the heel. There's a, it could be from flat feet and they're just feet are tired all the time. So something very easy to be treated with uh, some orthotics and, and other types of uh, therapies. Now, what is the earliest age that you'll fit an orthotic? Uh, come out of the womb. Yeah. So, but what we do, you talk, there's custom and non-custom. So we have the pediatric ones for kids that are very flat. Um, it's just kind of a sized device that you just give them a device and they come back yearly and you put them in there. Um, Cause kids normally aren't uh, complaining of flat feet. What you're going to find is that they're just not going to be as active. That's what I find for little once they get to a certain age where their feet get big, then we'll put them into a custom device. Now, everyone asks, well, aren't some of the best runners flat have flat feet? And, and yes, they do. The whole problem with flat feet is that it can cause joint jamming, which in the future, so I see kids, kids, and then their parents. And you can see what their feet are going to change into with all these arthritic changes, arthritis. And that's what we're trying to avoid with the orthotic to reduce that abnormal movement and motion that can cause jamming of the joints. And so a lot of times I would say is dad, if you're, if your kid isn't wanting to be active, look at your feet and and their feet are going to look like yours. So if yours are giving you problems, you should probably have them checked out. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, and then there's different types of flat, you know, flat feet too, right? So there's congenital mm-hmm. flat feet, which, you know, is really, fl- and there's a flexible flat foot too, which, you know, as you bear weight through it, it kind of the it flattens out. Yeah. Um, which, you know, both, you know, might deserve a post at a certain point in, in life, just if, depending on how. How active they, it's all about activity. If, if you're, if your kids aren't active at all, they'll probably won't complain of foot pain ever. But you'll find as they get more active in sports or they, I don't know, they want to start running or they get in this health kick and, and, and that's when their feet are going to be hurting them. And that's where you should get it checked out. Yeah. And I think a great takeaway too, and, you know, we talk about this all the time and I talk about this in my book is just, you know, you don't want to over-specialize, right? And, and it's important, you know, and the, the famous surgeon James Andrews used to say, take one season off you know, take the summer off and just have fun, go play recreational sports with your friends, all different types. And, you know, there's, I forget the stat, maybe it was Phil Leahy was talking about it, but something like, you know, I think 70% plus of professional baseball players played a different sport in high school and just, you know, they, they cross-trained, you know, it's really important to cross-train and, and have, you know, use different muscle groups because when you play soccer, you play baseball, you play football or, or hockey, you're, you're using different muscle groups. So you're not constantly over training, you know, um, the same, the same muscle groups, but, uh, yeah, Sean, you know, something we talked about, we talked about shoes, orthotics, things like that, but I think even more important than that, and you'll probably agree is, is deep tissue massage for these kids that are training a lot. And we didn't really talk about it, but I brought a couple of things. These are my favorite things. One of this is like a trigger point roller thing that we use. This is for the, um, the quad it. And this is one that goes a little in the bit back more in front of your face because the background uh, is cutting it off. 
quad, IT, things like that. Okay. Uh, so this is a trigger point roller. Here's another one that goes on the back of the calf. So yep. like if these kids or even you are training, the key really is foam rolling and something deeper, a ball, a trick. We have like all these ball trigger point balls. There's MB1, MB5. You can get these on, on Amazon. Your PT will teach you how to use that. I'm a big advocate of deep tissue massage, even more so than stretching. I think people stretch a lot of times wrong, but that's essential. If you want to be active, you need to do some type of soft tissue work a little bit before, but mostly after. And uh, that's going to preserve you from a lot of injury. Yeah. I mean, Don, that's a great point because, you know, and the way that I explain it to my patients is that, you know, if this is your calf, right. And you've got a trigger point here, here, and here, when you stretch, you're stretching the muscles around those trigger points. Okay. So when I use, and what we do here is we'll use Graston technique, or I'll use actual needles to go mm -hmm. into those trigger points and twist them and stretch them out. So then you actually can, can acquire some more muscle length, which is really the key to, you know, in my opinion, 95% of, of musculoskeletal injuries, um, is just getting restored muscle length and then kind of letting the timing and the healing timeline go to work and, and help you heal. And that's why we use things like shockwave to improve, you know, improve, tendon healing and elasticity and the same thing with, with dry needling. But, you know, Don, you wouldn't believe in, in physical, in the world of physical therapy, in our journal of sports medicine, JOSPT, journal of sports and orthopedic PT, um, or orthopedic and sports PT, the meta meta analysis on knee pain, hip pain, and low back pain, all tie directly to tightness, to tightness, and really in the plantar fascia and in the calves. And if people have good muscle length and mobility in the plantar fascia and calves, they are so much less likely to, to get the patellofemoral pain, to get the hip bursitis, to get the lumbar stenosis. And it's, you know, it ties back and, and without getting too techy or, or heady, ties back to the way, to what happens when your feet hit the ground. Yep. And if you can control that in, in, in a healthy manner, uh, you can really affect the entire kinetic chain. Yeah, I think we, we talk all the time about posture. So posture becomes, starts with the foundation like any house and then the core. So if you think of like uh, above with your core stability and then your foot stability and then loosening everything else up in between, you know, equinus, which is a tight calf is the root of all evil. That's what we say within our profession. And everyone, everyone has it and just how it affects you. And it can cause bunions. It can cause everything. So I'm in total agreement uh, and just don't go cutting it though. That's not the best solution. Yeah. So, I mean, that's important for people to hear too, right? Is that, you know, we don't want to treat a symptom. We want to treat a cause. So, you know, and that's why I love you. And that's why I refer so many patients to you guys, because you'll actually shockwave an Achilles before you'll, you'll go schedule a bunny activate, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, I think that that's really important and addressing the root cause of what's going on, you know, whether it be with orthotics or with shockwave or physical therapy or, or even surgery. I mean, you know, it's, it's fine to get surgery too, but we want to just make sure that should people wish to exhaust other options, you know, they know what those options are, um, including cortisone and, and shockwave and, and whatever else. Um, and even Voltaren, like some of these creams and rubs, I don't know if you guys prescribe any of that stuff, but you, do you think they work? I don't think they work, but I mean, that's just, I didn't want to say that. So that's my personal opinion, I, everyone has a new rub or a cream. I don't think the only rub I like is the one that's on my meat. When we do some smoking <laughs> a little, a uh, little brisket. Uh, we, I like the Borsari. That stuff is pretty good to get it at Whole Foods. But, uh, no, you know, so, you know, sometimes, you know, I see a frozen shoulder, they've exhausted their cortisone shots, you know, four in a year or something like that. And so they'll get prescribed a, an anti-inflammatory rub, which they used to prescribe, 
you know, in a compounding pharmacy, but now it's, it's OTC. Um, I used to say it used to come like in a nuclear waste container. It was yeah. red and no, like, that would respond much better if you did shockwave. I don't know anyone that shockwave shoulders, but that would be great. Yeah, they do. They actually, there is some research there uh, looking into that, but uh, we'll talk later about that. But is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with Don about, uh, you know, especially runners about with, you know, in regard you asked to- about a, a, a patient experience. I had a patient that came in yes, a couple of days ago. Um, he was a, a mid distance runner in, in high school and college. And he, and he's, you know, as he's getting older, he's wanting to go more to longer distance and marathons. And he came in, he was being seen by a PT place uh, near uh, Foxborough there. And, um, so when he was being treated, PT just wasn't enough. And he had uh, the insertional Achilles tendonitis and lo and behold, really tight calves. And you can only do so much though with, um, with, with the PT, unfortunately. And so he did, he got some great care there with the Graston technique, like you were talking about, but what he responded really well to was the shockwave therapy. We did an ultrasound. There was no other problems around there. And then we did um, some sessions of shockwave. And I also mentioned we, everyone's into these, they call zero drop shoes. So if you're listening, if you have equinus or a tight calf, zero drop isn't for you. Like one of my, one of my partners here, Dr. Ben, he's got equinus. He can't wear zero drop. You know, you need a five millimeter drop for that. So don't go really flat flat, flat shoes. It's going to really kind of wreak havoc on everything. And so he, he, he was trying to do like a different shoe or a minimalist or barefoot runner. Like not everyone's good at barefoot. And, uh, but eventually with the, the shockwave and things like that, he's going to be recovered pretty quick. So that's kind of a, a use case. You know, if you've seen uh, people and you're not getting better, like I, I would say the two things would be the $200 line. If you spent more than 200, you should either see PT or, or a podiatrist. And if you've kind of exhausted the PT and you're really not seeing the results, you should see maybe another specialist. And I want to be very clear. If you see me and you're not getting better, um, I would recommend you see one of my colleagues or one of the other podiatrists. If there's no problem in getting a second opinion, we have great physicians around here and you have to make sure you're getting the best care. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. And, you know, and again, we didn't even touch on the, on the shoe piece with people go, trying to go from these super sportive shoes to like, you know, the Vibrams or whatever. It's not as hot of, of a topic nowadays as it was maybe four or five years ago. Um, but that's another thing. And it's, it, what does it tie directly back to? It ties back to Achilles, um, you know, Achilles muscle, Achilles length and, and calf length, but um, and just another important piece, we were, we were talking about um, insertional and then mid-body tendonitis, tendinosis. There are differences in the way we treat both. Can you just touch on that really quickly? Yeah. So the, 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 the mid-body one where it gets thickened, um, primarily that, that's area we do Graston tech or you do Graston on that. And then um, we do the shockwave. The in, insertional, a lot of times it's caused by the tightness and it hasn't been that that injured. The other one was injured. There's little micro tears in it. That's why it's thickened. The one uh, below isn't as thickened. And so we tend to do some like heel lifts for that. We'll do like a night splint. We'll do physical therapy, uh, doing orthotics with a little bit of a heel lift helps stabilize things. And then that responds as well to shockwave. It hurts a little bit more though to do it right on the bony insertion. But that that's how, how I treat it a little bit differently. Yeah, the insertional scares me a little bit more than the mid body. And it's just- It just takes longer. There's bony changes, right? You start to get the shark tooth and, and I don't love that. Um, but, uh, and, and that's when I typically, when I feel like it's right there, then I just send them to you guys just to really have a look. We want an x-ray there. And then I just want to make sure that we're, we're kind of, we get two professionals looking at it so to, it doesn't get mismanaged because that can easily turn into something. Even if I'm dry needling and creating muscle length, mm-hmm. if there is bony change there, that's when I, you know, I just, we might want to look at a shockwave or another option. Yeah. But that's great. Well, thanks for joining today, Don. I really appreciate your time. And uh, is there anything else? So how can people reach out to you should they wish to get care uh, care with you? 
yeah, if they want to get care, they can come and see me. Um, what I really like to do is I put tons of resources on my, this is my blog. So we have our, our office website, which is Central Mass Podiatry, but I, I don't have any free reign there. But this is my, my blog. So basically I have like six books on plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis, foot pain, and then wound healing and things like that. And then what I'm making, which I'm really excited about for my patients, I have these courses. So basically I'm taking tons of resources on, for example, Achilles tendonitis. And I put it into a course. So basically you get the book and then there are tons of videos here, all for free, all for you to learn more. Uh, I did some with my, my, cart my partner, Dr. Feldman, um, shockwave information. We have stuff on amnio, all these advanced treatments, some resources. And then if you wanna try Amazon, here are the ones that I recommend, recommend on Amazon. So, uh, and then the best thing is if you have a question, I have a little place underneath and I answer these questions all time. Put your email, put your question there. Hey, I'm not really ready for an appointment, but I have a little question for you. Be happy to answer that for you. Okay. Once again, thank you, Sean. That's really awesome that, uh, you know, the patients are, you know, able to reach out to you like that and, you, and you're available. I think that's really, that's special and that's important. And again, I mean, with all of the information that's out there, that's just, you know, people need to sift through, just reach out to, you know, Dr. Pelto uh, and their practice over there, Central Mass Podiatry. And if Dr. Pelto can't get to you, I'm sure, uh, Dr. Saviet Feldman uh, can do that. Kellner. Well. Yep. Well, I'll get to you. And your new, your new partner. What's his last name? Dr. Kellner. Kellner. Dr. Kellner too. So uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, best, best of luck to you guys. They just, you just opened up a Westboro location. So that's. Yes. Uh, we're in Worcester and Westboro, right. Uh, right by Julio Liquors there on, on Lyman street, right behind there. It's a, it's a great location. So if you're around, come by and say hi. Yeah. And we're now in, uh, in Shrewsbury Shrewsbury, starting right by my week, house. Uh, yep. Right by your house, and uh, you know, and also I just want to do a little plug for the uh, anti-gravity treadmill that we we've got here. So we've got a, an Alter G VX, which actually does some gate gate analytics too, which is pretty neat. And uh, we can uh, we can talk about that maybe a little later too. But it's nice to sometimes offload some of the pressure if you really are having difficulty walking, uh, or your post-op, uh, partial weight bearing things like this. It's it's just a phenomenal tool uh, to help learn how to walk again if you've had difficulty walking. So. I just wanted to put a, put a little plug in yeah. there. And, well, you know, like, Sean, you, you asked about for runners, you don't make runners stop running. You asked how do you treat runners different? We keep them running. That's, that's what we do. So the alter G is hands down the best resource that concierge has, because you can go there, you can, you can run with a stress fracture with something else that's inflamed. They can reduce the percentage to 20, 30% of your body weight. And it's, it's by bar none, the gold standard in terms of recovering, especially if you're an athlete or want to stay active. You know, and especially with a stress fracture thing like that, you know, things like that. So, you know, we didn't get to train for the marathon this year, but I think it's October. What is it? September, October. Yeah. But, and you almost tell me, yeah, it's a different, different time. Like that. But anyways, you know, thanks so much for your time, Don. And uh, we'll stay in touch, my friend. Thanks. Yeah. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for joining us for this week's Hooked on Health podcast. Please check out our website in the link below. Whether you're listening on Spotify or on our page, you can reach me personally by email for more information.